people are starting to lift their heads out of the sand and realize that, that Jesus didn't call us to run those kind of churches. Yeah. Jesus has called the church to be a fruit-bearing right. uh, organization, a community of people who are reaching the lost. Welcome to episode 26 of the Lead Forward podcast. This is your host, Dave Funk. I hope this episode encourages, equips you, and helps you to lead forward. Well, thank you so much for once again joining us. And uh, I've heard lots from lots of you messages, texts, uh, personal connections where you say, hey, Dave, I like that episode. I like this episode. Thanks for doing what you do. And uh, I want to just say you're welcome. And I want to say thank you for the encouragement. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that people are listening and um, people are engaging and finding these interviews and recordings helpful. I wanted to ask you maybe to take the next step and go to iTunes where you subscribe and click there and give a rating and a review. And that's not so that um, Lead Forward gets hype or, or that I get hype or anything like that. It, it really just helps iTunes know that people are listening so that it actually puts the uh, message in front of more people who are looking for similar content. So we're just trying to reach as far as we can. And uh, if you could do that, it would be really, really huge. And I'd appreciate it so much. Now on to today's episode, I'm really excited to have Phil Spolstra with me. I was able to sit down with Phil and do an interview to talk about his new role at uh, district office in the PC um, in the BC Yukon district of the PAOC. Phil is working in revitalization, which means he's helping churches who are maybe on the decline or plateauing in ministry to find new life and vitality and to start growing and reaching people again. It was just great sitting down, Phil, to talk vision and to dream and to believe for what God's going to do as churches across Canada consider what it means to be revitalized and what it means to begin once again um, to focus on what's most important. That's reaching people with the gospel, seeing new disciples come into the family of God. And so I hope this uh, I hope this encourages you. I hope it helps you to dream. And if you are a leader who's looking to bring new life and vitality into your ministry, get in touch with Phil. Hey, get in touch with me. Uh, we'd both love to talk to you and uh, help you kind of take the next steps to bring new life into what you're doing. So enjoy this conversation I had with Phil Spolstra. Welcome everybody to the podcast. It's awesome to have Phil Spolstra with us, who is now working with our district office here in the BC PAOC. We're going to learn all about that, but it's just great to have him as a guest today. Phil, how you doing? I'm doing great, Dave. Thanks so much for having me doing this. Right on. It's it's awesome to have you. Looking forward to having a chance to connect and learn about what you're doing and, and hear about church revitalization uh, in general. So, I mean, maybe we should start. Um, a lot of people in our district know you, but, you know, listeners outside as well or people who are just getting to know you. Can you tell us about this new role that you have and what is it and maybe how, how God led you into it? Yeah, sounds great. Well, uh, I'll start with, first of all, uh, the role itself is a new role. Mm-hmm. Uh, previous to me, Dave Solms served in this uh, assistant district superintendent role for eight, nine years. Uh, and he uh, had to carry many responsibilities. He had mm-hmm. to uh, juggle many things and wear many hats. And I appreciate that our, not just our national level of leadership, but also our um, BC Yukon uh, district level of leadership, our district leadership team recognized that uh, for us to be more effective at not just uh, 
uh, achieving the vision 2020 that we're, we're all reaching for, but also yeah. just to be more effective as the body of Christ, uh, we need to prioritize and split that role into two roles. So Len Denbraver is our assistant district superintendent for multiplication, mm-hmm. uh, helping churches uh, multiply, develop, grow, plant, all of that. And then uh, I've been given the responsibility of having, helping churches that have plateaued right. in their attendance or growth uh, or are in decline right. and help catalyze growth and health for, for those churches. Awesome. So, the, you know, your, your new title is a bit of a mouthful. Can you, can you tell us what that is? Yeah. Yeah. My joke is that it's not a business card. It's a bookmark now. Right. Yeah. So, uh, uh, specifically that I would have the responsibilities that would come with being an assistant dis- district superintendent. Right. So, uh, I would help out with things, uh, church matters, uh, installation of pastors, um, you know, overseeing the calendar for the district and functions and events and so forth. Right. But uh, really, my congregation now are pastors rather than a congregation of one co- one church. Right. Uh, I'm now helping come alongside, uh, coach, encourage, strategize, and just assist pastors that are uh, struggling to find that growth that they want for their congregation. Right, right, right. So it, the term we've been using is church revitalization, right? Yeah. 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 So like... What does that What does that mean? What does that What does that look like? What does it mean to revitalize a church? Yeah, well, uh, an expression that we've used a lot in the Pentecostal church has been revival. We're praying mm-hmm. for revival. We're calling for revival. We're having revival meetings. Right. And uh, I'm not going to say for a second that we will stop doing that. Right. But I think that in the minds of some, uh, particularly perhaps the the next generation of church leaders in our fellowship. The word revival comes with it some cultural baggage. So when they hear people talking and praying for revival, they might perceive that as, oh, we're praying for that or asking for that kind of music to come back or that type of Uh, preaching style to come back or that style of ministry to come back. Right. and of course, people who are proponents for calling out for revival would say, oh, no, no, that's not what we're looking for. But I think that something kind of gets lost in the communication of that. Right. So I would kind of jokingly or t- kind of tongue in cheek say that revitalization is the new revival. OK. It's it's the new sense of uh, we all want spiritual vitality in our yeah. congregations, well, regardless of what style of ministry and preference, we all want to be a, a fruitful church and we want to see kingdom work being achieved through us. So uh, instead of waving the flag saying, let's bring back revival and sing revival right. songs and talk about that, uh, just by changing the word revitalization, I have found in my brief time here that pastors are much more willing to talk about revitalization right. than to start having revival conversations. Right. right, it's, right. It's, it seems like a nuance and a spin of semantics, so to speak. Right. But I find that it's opened a lot more doors of com- uh, conversations. Right. So, I mean, before we get more into like what what we're seeing happening and and more about revitalization can you tell us phil like before this you were an associate pastor in a large church a worship pastor um this is a pretty big shift like can you tell us kind of how god led you into this role yeah well there's a part of me that honestly feels like uh uh god has set me up for this role uh, right. looking back, you know how it is with anything in life. You can look back and go, wow, I, I've, I've been groomed for this for the, the longest of times. Yeah. Uh, 
from I started a ministry about 25 odd years ago, right. and a small church in the country uh, side, a little town called Greeley in Ottawa, and saw a church of 125, 150 grow to about 250 mm-hmm. uh, with a unique style of ministry that existed there. Mm-hmm. And then went to another church and saw that grow and develop uh, under a different style of leadership. I went to another church where it was struggling, and so I know what it's like to be in staff meetings uh, yeah. where uh, the morale is starting to wane and decline, and their sense of worry and anxiety kind of creeps in a little bit. And then I've had the, the privilege of spending the last 15 years serving with Darren Latham, both in St. Catharines at Central Community Church, uh, and then most recently, the last 10 years at Broadway Church in Vancouver. Right. And I have had the uh, best seat in the house for watching two separate congregations experience change and transformation and experience revitalizing growth. Awesome. So that by, by being in the passenger seat, I've been very privileged to be able to watch, uh, I think one of our top shelf leaders in our fellowship lead a board and a congregation and change a, a culture of a congregation twice right. into one that is intentionally reaching lost people. Right. Very cool. Yeah, yeah Darren's a yeah. great leader. You know, we can all learn a lot from from the the, the churches that he's helped transition and revitalize. And, and I think mm-hmm. that's some of the the value and importance for, for everyone is to is to find those stories and learn from them and learn from leaders and and to not try to do it on your own. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, our district has invested in this position of finding you know having someone intentionally coming along, pastors and leaders to say, hey, you're not alone. Let's let's help give you some tools and some support in, in, in doing this. And I'm really excited about it. So, so why, like, why do we need right revitalization? Like, um, you know, what, what's the need right now, um, in our district, in our nation? Um, like, you know, we hear statistics about churches in decline, you know, it's, it's hard to know exactly like what's going on in our own fellowship that, you know, are you finding that people are craving your help out there? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I'll, I'll answer that by throwing out some very loose statistics. Sure. Uh, and I say loose statistics because it's really hard to verify this, but right. from everything that I'm reading and every everyone I'm following yeah. who uh, has a real strong finger on the pulse of what's happening with churches in North America, um, statistics would say that the church is struggling in North America. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's really a shock to anybody. Right. But numerically, we would say that uh, around 80% of all churches in all denominations uh, are struggling with uh, with life and growth. Right. That they have plateaued, they are in decline. If there's any growth that's happening in our churches, it's transfer growth. Right. Or it is... Uh, uh, Christians having babies and growing them up through the, the nursery. Right, right. Uh, and that's it. So um, I'll preemptively just say, I appreciate the fact that our fellowship, and I've said this already, I'll say it again, are saying we need to stop everything because mm. we are not reaching lost people. Right, yeah. Uh, no, no, and we don't know how to necessarily measure church health. Uh, what I've, in this brief time that I've been in this rule, I found that uh, some of the metrics we're using are wrong. Uh, with okay. one church, they, they were uh, when we talked about church health, they showed me the biz, the uh, financial statement from their annual business meeting, and financially they were in the black. They were paying the bills, they were paying the pastors, they were repairing the building, and that yeah. was good. Uh, there was a lot of activity going on in the church, a lot of busyness. 
Um, you know, the sick were being visited, funerals yeah. and weddings were being done, all of that. But when the questions came up of how many people have been uh, led to Christ this year, mm-hmm. uh, there was a lot of, you know, glancing around the room and quiet uh, stares. And then when the question was asked, how many people have, have been baptized this year? Or when was the last time people were baptized? Right. Uh, suddenly we realized that uh, that wasn't happening in this church. Mm-hmm. So they thought they were healthy, right. but they were using the wrong metrics to measure health. Right. And I think it's that sense of uh, people are starting to lift their heads out of the sand and realize that, that Jesus didn't call us to run those kind of churches. Yeah. Jesus has called the church to be a fruit-bearing right. uh, organization, a community of people who are reaching the lost. And I think that's the bell that we're ringing right now saying, mm-hmm. uh, we love our buildings. We love our, you know, visiting the sick. We love yeah. preaching sermons. We love Bible studies. Yeah. But until we can show the fruit of number of people being baptized in water this year, right. then our numbers are really just need to be put on a shelf and we need to study what we're doing again. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. And in the end, that's, that is what it comes down to. And, you know, and I think there's nobody who says that that's not important, but I think the issue is like, are we willing to count the cost and, you know, what kind of mm-hmm. sacrifices are we willing to make with the church that we enjoy to transform it into the kind of church that will reach lost people. Right. And, um, maybe it's, yeah, I think you know, one of the, if I can just jump in, jump in I yeah. think one of the, yeah, thank you. I, I think one of the, the great divine, <laughs> uh, eye-opening insights that, that God has given me in this role. The the story of Jesus cursing the fig tree right. and causing it to wither up yeah. has been a an il- metaphor and illustration that has resounded deeply in my heart. Mm. Uh, it's one of those stories that I've always read and glossed over and skimmed mm-hmm. over because it just never, I just, ne- why would Jesus do that? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I, it was a simple search. It was a Google search, if you can believe it. A simple thing that finding out that Fig trees are one of those unique trees that grow their fruit first and leaves second. Okay. So contrary to most other f- fruit trees that grow leaves and then the fruit comes, right. uh, the fig tree happens to be one of those trees that bears fruit first yeah. and then grows leaves. So when Jesus saw from a distance a fig tree with leaves, he would have rightly presumed that, oh, it must have fruit because right. if it has leaves, it has to have fruit. Right. When he gets there, he finds out there's no fruit. And then that tree became a metaphor for not just the people of Israel, but I think we can extract that as a people of God saying, uh, at the end of the day, we sh- are not called to grow more leaves. Right. We should not be celebrating our leaves. Mm. We need the leaves, but the leaves are only there to support the fruit that are mm. supposed to be born. Yeah, that's good. And uh, and I think that's the word. If I were to say that God is calling me to to come with any message to the the um, to our district, it's yeah. we need to remember the kind of fruit that Jesus is calling us to yeah. produce. Yeah. Well, you know what's great with with having you in this role is sometimes as a pastor you have so many conflicting um, priorities and there's conflicting values within your church, but it's nice to be able to bring in someone from the outside who also loves your church, but can Mm -hmm. help be that burr in the saddle that sometimes is hard for a pastor to be, to help kind of get things going. Right. And, and I know even when I started in, in my new role at my church and just very intentionally had Ken Russell come and visit us a couple of times and, and he was sharing messages that I was sharing too, but it just from, from an outside voice with a little bit of, you know, clout, um, it, it sure helps kind of get the ball rolling and, and get your leaders moving in the right direction. And so 
I'm so thankful that that we've um, you know put the resources out to, to make this to make this happen. So, what would you say, Phil? Like, if you're looking at your own church ministry, what are some signs that you go, man? We need some revitalization. Now, you talked about you know we're not doing baptisms, we're not you know, but even you know maybe you are still doing baptisms. Maybe people are still getting saved, but you but at the same time you're still on the trajectory toward plateau and decline. What are some other signs that you need to look for? To say, hey, this this is something we need to, to do. Uh, I think one of the, the specific and probably the one of the primary things that we need to be looking at as church leaders is the time that we spend on our Sunday morning services. Okay. Now, uh, I'll be the first to say, hey, we, we have more ways of reaching lost people than a Sunday morning service. Yeah. Absolutely. And I realize that that is not the only front door that people come to our churches. Uh, There's mom's groups during the week. There's youth group ministry. There's, I mean, there's so many other opportunities that people come to Christ through our church. I get that. However, nothing has changed in the sense that the Sunday morning worship experience is still the primary way that non-Christians will come to our churches. Hmm. Uh, It'll still be the result of being typically invited by a Christian saying, would you come and visit our church uh, this Sunday morning or any Sunday morning? And uh, if if, if people's experience are anything like mine, and I think that they are, uh, it may take years before that non-Christian friend ever comes to church. And when that person does come to church, uh, you are on pins and needles the entire morning because <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. really hoping that this is the Sunday that the people who are running lyrics for the uh, the songs, yeah. uh, we got the sharpest guy at the helm. Yeah. And we're hoping that this is the Sunday when the band does all the good songs. Yeah. Or this is the Sunday we're hoping the pastor has a few jokes in it. Like, like this is what we're thinking. <laughs> and you really don't experience that unless you're sitting beside your non-Christian yeah. friend. Because when you do, you're experiencing the entire Sunday morning service through their eyes. That's right. And I would urge our pastors saying, we need to examine the amount of effort and thought that we put into our Sunday morning experience uh, Mm. much greater than we currently are. And the little bit of traveling that I've gone to experience some of our Sunday morning services, um, it would be my observation that the Sunday morning service experience is geared primarily for Christians. Right. And, and I would say that there is very little uh, effort and, and intentional thought put into how might a non-Christian experience our service during this hour, hour and a half that we yeah. spend together on a Sunday morning. Yeah. And that's from the way that we talk to the way that we sing to yeah. the way that we um, design our platform to the way that we design our lobby to the mm-hmm. way that we have trained our ushers and greeters. Mm-hmm. I think if we really – want non-Christians to come to our church on a Sunday morning so that they might hear the gospel. Uh, I, I think that we would have put a lot more time Mm -hmm. into planning what their journey is like. Even something as corny as, uh, pull into the driveway and wear a baseball cap (laughs) and whenever you were, and just say, I am a non-Christian and I'm coming here for the first time. And then you start seeing things yeah. I, my hope would be that pastors would start seeing things that they normally wouldn't see. Yeah. I've seen things like uh, coffee cups, uh, styrofoam cups on a on a pulpit, uh, right. you know, a scattered luggage on a stage that, that shouldn't be like it's stuff that shouldn't be. They're going. There is very little care, very little commitment to excellence. Mm-hmm. I've been to some churches where the screens, uh, the the projector shining onto the screens were yeah. crooked, right? And that's not a that's not a lack of resources thing. That's a laziness thing. And I mean, do I want to be the guy that's telling a pastor that he's being lazy? No, 
but at the same time, I'm, I'm thinking if you really cared, Pastor, about reaching lost people, mm-hmm. you would have gotten a ladder at some point in the week right. and adjusted the projector. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, because it, excellence should matter to a pastor who's trying yeah. to reach lost people. Well, and there's there's a two armed understanding of that. Like it it matters to reach lost people, and it matters to God. Like God delights in His work. God mm-hmm. um, is a creative God who produces excellent things. And if we are His image bearers, we're going to produce excellent worship experiences to worship our excellent God. And that says a lot to the non-believer. And so just taking, you know, maybe the word isn't right, but taking a little bit of pride in what you're, what kind of environment you're creating goes a long way toward that experience. Okay. Well, I'll just jump in on your, I'll add a third arm to that. Yeah. Uh, it's also a matter of we, we want to create a culture yeah. of winning, reaching lost people. Right. So the third arm is what does it tell our congregation? Yeah. That's it's good. telling them, Hey folks, uh, not, you are not the center of mm-hmm. everything that we're doing here anymore. Mm-hmm. We are changing the culture of our church so that we are a safe place where people can invite their non-Christian friends yeah. to experience uh, our worship experience. We're not yeah. going to water down the gospel. We're not yeah. going to uh, apologize for the word of God. Yeah. We're not, but we're going to make sure the experience is such that when a non-Christian comes, yeah. uh, it's it's a safe environment. It's yeah. understandable. It, mm-hmm. And uh, I think I think Christians want to, they want to be, we all want to be part of something that's winning. We always want to be part of something good. No yeah. one likes to be on a sinking ship. Yeah. And so when they see a commitment from leadership saying, hey, they're, they're, they're putting intentional planning and strategizing into how we do our Sunday morning, yeah. I think people will, church pastors will experience more buy-in from volunteers, from their congregation, giving uh, people who have resource will want to invest and give into something saying, this is not just me putting money into a plate. This is investing into Mm. uh, a journey that we're on to reach lost people. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. You know, one of the things we talk a lot about at my church is consistency, right? Because if your people know that at least once a month, the worship is atrocious. And if they know that once or twice a month, that, you know, spiritual, you know, crazy person gets up and yells some weird prophetic thing. And all the people in that church are like, oh, it's just Susie, you know, she's harmless, but a visitor, you know, and if you're not explaining this stuff, you know, and if you have those inconsistencies, what kind of confidence will your people have in inviting their friends? Because they're like, I know it's a 50% chance that this is going to be a terrible, weird experience so I'm not even going to try. And so all the effort you put in and all the energy you, you, you give to try to convince your people to invite a friend goes nowhere. But if you build consistent yeah. ministry, they know what they're bringing people to, then the confidence is high. Now, I mean, obviously I've spent, uh, you already alluded to this, I've spent most of my ministry uh, in worship, leading, yeah. leading worship ministry. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say in the area of revitalization, I can speak from this angle of things. I would love to see more lead pastors uh, invest more into their worship pastors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the great reasons why I enjoyed so much, uh, so many wonderful years of leading worship is because uh, Darren and I invested yeah. many hours on the front end of our time together, right. uh, creating a common understanding of what we wanted to achieve in worship ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, clear, clear guidelines, clear parameters, clear expectations. Um, and it was, it was a, I mean, Darren's a strong leader, but it was very much a dialogue. He invited me to give input. And yeah. once we established that, then we had a target to reach yeah. for every single Sunday. Right. Uh, again, in my brief amount of time that I have been in this role, uh, traveling to churches, 
I, I get very much the sense that there's almost no communication from between the lead pastor and the worship pastor right. uh, or worship leader. And when you consider that, not, you know, the vast majority of our worship leaders in our district are volunteers. Yeah. I would say it really the responsibility falls upon our lead pastors right. to take the initiative to uh, to show interest, to mm-hmm. give feedback, mm-hmm. to provide direction and leadership and parameters and expectations, and to uh, to know what's going on before Sunday rolls around. Yeah, <laughs> uh, as opposed to uh, things derail and the pastor shrugging and you know with a look of okay, sirrah, sirrah, and and again that just shows to me that the Sunday morning experience is not a high priority for this pastor, Mm -hmm. uh, which to me is mind boggling. If that's the primary place where non-Christians might be invited to a church. Right. So can you tell us, Phil, what sort of stuff is happening in the PAOC, whether in BC or other stuff that's going on initiatives around revitalization? Uh, I've had I've had more conversations with pastors who are frustrated, discouraged, tired, yeah. uh, and scratching their heads than I have had conversations of churches that are revitalizing. Right. Uh, in, in that sense, I would be those would be conversations that I'd be having with Len Denbraber, our right. other assistant district superintendent, because I, when I have those kind of conversations, I say, "Boy, you really need to talk to Len, and Len needs to help." Uh, catalyze perhaps uh, a second service or a, right. another campus. Uh, so in terms of those stories, uh, Blair Fibbs is one of our newer uh, credential holders. He came over here from Western Ontario. Yeah. So we, we, we want a great credential holder by him coming to uh, Campbell River, and he's leading uh, a, a great church there, and they're considering going to two services right now and having conversations. Cool. Um, uh, I'm sure if Blair's listening to this right now, he's cringing, saying, "Oh, Phil, don't be saying that yet, because the board doesn't know yet." <laughs> but uh, I think I think they've just begun to have. I just love the fact that he recognizes. And yeah. This is what I I think this is what I'm proud of Blair for. Yeah. He recognizes that he's in his auditorium space. They are running consistently, even in July here when yeah. we're recording this this uh, this this podcast, uh, over 80 percent capacity full. Yeah. And just recognizing that that is a, a, a you know bright shining light saying. Yeah. We can multiply. Yeah. So I think when we see churches that are starting to show that kind of initiative, that's really encouraging. Yeah. And so for me, I don't have those stories yet, but I'm beginning to have conversations with pastors and just walking through them through the process of let's do a church health assessment test. Yeah. Uh, let's find out. Let's find out what our facts are. If we like to say the facts are our friends, let's find out what things are really looking for. Let's take away all spin. Mm-hmm. And what are we really looking at? And then start to creatively, wisely uh, seek God in terms of what strategies we can implement. So uh, I would love to think that by District Conference 2019, yeah. we'll have some our first churches that have gone through that whole process yeah. and are beginning to show signs of life. That's awesome. So, you know, yeah. you might, you know, there's initial conversations you're having, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, maybe there's some pastors listening now that uh, are identifying, you know, I'm beating my head against the wall, our church is in decline or in plateau, we're not baptizing people, where do I start? So maybe it's too early in the process to say, yeah, we've got, you know, steps A through Z and, and this is our revitalization strategy. But where are we with that? What's the first step that, that someone yeah. should take who's listening? Uh, great question. And and my reflex answer to that would be something like uh, I, I, the pastors that I'm speaking with, uh, they, they typically are contacting me because they're frustrated. Yeah. Meaning they've tried everything they know. 
Yeah. They've been to conferences. They've read the books. Um, the the hope that I'm for all the people that the Tom Rainers, the mm-hmm. the Tony Morgans, the the people that you know the, whose books I'm reading and stuff I'm following material, they're saying that uh, the the vast majority of churches that have plateaued and are in decline, with just a little bit of help, mm-hmm. like sometimes it's just like a little little body check, just or just a little alignment for to use a chiropractor kind of metaphor, right. a, a little alignment can be all that it takes just yeah. to say you know what I I never thought of that right. thank you. And just outside, so the privilege of this job that I have in this role now is it allows me the privilege of becoming an expert. Uh, when I was, you know, elected to this position, my goodness, the only the only expertise I had is everything I have seen and experienced working alongside Darren Latham. Sure, right. Uh, and aside reading from the books and following other books, but now I get to go deep, and right. so now I get to have a deeper understanding and find out there. Uh, I would, of all the things that I've read, I find that a lot of the, the, the consistent material that's coming forward about this, our pastors are tired from investing their energy and efforts into the wrong things. Right. So uh, I really don't mean to be insulting by any of me by saying this, so I want to choose my words carefully. But our pastors are called to be leaders, mm-hmm. but, uh, but they've become excellent chaplains. Okay. Um, meaning they've become very good at teaching a Bible study, preaching a sermon, visiting the sick, doing our weddings and our funerals. Yeah. Um, and, and typically their church, churches, even in, in, uh, in need of revitalization, they love their pastor. Yeah. They're not necessarily critical of their pastor. They, yeah. they will say things like, oh, our pastor's working so hard. Yeah. He, he needs a break. He needs a holiday. Yeah. And I would say yes, but I would love to see the, the amount of time that any of our pastors are investing into what I just listed off as what I'll call a, a chaplaincy type of roles and right. responsibilities and say, cut that in half and quadruple the amount of time that you're spending in leading your staff, leading your board, right. um, uh, stopping and considering the way that we are leading our ministries. Mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. I've, I've picked on the Sunday morning experience considerably right. here, but everything else going um, can everything that we're doing pass through the filter of, in some way, this is pointing in the direction of reaching lost people to right, Christ? Right. And, and I think that's that needs to be an assessment that every ministry needs to be filtered through. Right. Right. So, so though many of us, our pastors, are working hard and they are tired and they're working a lot of hours and so forth, I would say that uh, they are investing a significant proportion of their time and efforts into, I'll go back to my fig tree metaphor, into caring for the leaves Mm. and producing good leaves, Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to stopping and go, wait a second, it's about the fruit. It's Mm -hmm. about the fruit. Fruitfulness will trump faithfulness Mm -hmm. every day of the week. Right, right. That's good. So Phil, if I, if I, you know, identified in my own situation that I, my church needed revitalization, let's say I call district office, I get a hold of Phil Spolstra, um, Phil, I need you. I need revitalization. What's, what do you, what do you do at that point? Uh, great question. So I would, I'd love to think that we would talk at length over yeah. the phone for a while and get, I, I don't want to be a reactionary type leader yeah. where I just start slapping the same, uh, cliches at every church that I, I speak with. Yeah. Uh, I want to get to know a little bit more about you as a leader. Uh, I want to get to know a little bit about your history, the church's history. So yeah. that would be like step one. Uh, at some point, I would say we go through this church health assessment 
test. Okay. Yeah. And that's something that you would fill out, that we would have your board members, your staff fill out. Mm-hmm. Uh, members, key leaders from the congregation would be invited to. Right. Uh, let's just gather information. Once yeah. we assess, then we start kind of uh, – uh, then we have something that we can address. Right. Uh, Gives you some data. Whether, yeah, because otherwise it's just opinions and, yeah. and it's – it's just too easy to throw out the latest thing that I heard from an Andy Stanley podcast, right. and I just yeah. don't want to be that kind of a leader. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of – we can suffer from analysis paralysis. Right. There is so much great information uh, available to leaders. There's so many great resources, but it's specific data to your church and your leadership mm-hmm. that uh, I think we are all unique leaders. So I don't want to create a cookie-cutter um, – uh, Pentecostal church in BC Yukon district. Right. I don't want them all to look and sound the same. Every church is unique, every con- every leader. So that would be the process I would go through. Right. And what would you say, Phil, you know, cause you hear this, you hear this often, well, you know, we just, we just need to pray more. We just need to pray mm-hmm. for a move of the Holy spirit. Um, <laughs> yeah. what would you, cause yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. Uh, my opinion is there are very few churches that aren't praying enough. Right, I don't think that's three. But anyways, what what would your response be to some you know some yeah. very you know good-hearted saint that says you know what we just need to pray more for the Holy Spirit and then it's going to happen? What would, you, what would you say to that? Yeah, yeah. So so I would being very sensitive to the fact that this is being recorded now. <laughs> I will say with with great intention and deliberation, pastors stop praying <laughs> <laughs> and let that be my legacy, Dave. Right. Um, <laughs> No, it's so. Let me see if I could find a quick illustration. It's like me praying for a, a better marriage, right, uh, right? And saying, "Lord, let me have a better marriage. Let me have mm. a better marriage." Mm. But if I'm not sensitive to the needs of my wife, and yes. if I'm not sensitive to the responsibilities and chores around the house, yes. if I'm not recognizing what her love languages are, mm-hmm. then praying becomes a really convenient and spiritualized scapegoat yeah, for me good. neglecting my responsibilities mm-hmm. in my marriage. Yeah. So my wife, you know, if to use the same metaphor, would say, hey, honey, would you stop praying for our marriage and would you help me empty the dishwasher? <laughs> hey, honey, would you stop praying for our marriage and would you help me with the kids? Yeah. Um, and I would say, say, absolutely, we have to behave everything we were in prayer. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but that being said, uh, could we stop? what we're doing mm-hmm. and get off our knees and talk about what we're doing and why we're doing it, how we're doing it, who we're doing it for. Right. And uh, maybe reconsider that, um, we can better invest our prayer life with a strategy for ministry that is mm-hmm. more effective. Awesome. Like the guy on the, on the soapbox in the corner with a bullhorn, Yeah. you know, Lord, I'm praying for converts, but people are coming to Jesus through my ministry. And, I think many would say, I don't know that that's the best form of ministry that God is going to honor right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great, Phil. I, I really appreciate that response. And, you know, I even think of the Great Commission. Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples, you know, and, and sometimes we ask God to go into all the world and make disciples. He says, no, 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 no. I told you to do that. <laughs> so you guys yeah, go yeah. and I'll fill you with the Holy we are, Spirit. We yeah. are called to go and make, and, and many of us are going because we don't want to leave. Yeah, uh, we 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 
there's risk. There's yeah. uh, there's there's fear involved in leaving. So yeah. that's one of the clarion calls of of revitalization is yeah. that we can't go if we don't leave, yeah. and we can't go if we don't have people to go to. And uh, this is another podcast for another time, yeah. Dave. But yeah. I think another thing that we would say is we don't have enough non-Christian friends to go to. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Is there any last words you had for us, Phil, on revitalization? Uh, no, except uh, I'll just simply say I appreciate that you have made this podcast available. This just continues to affirm that this is a priority in our district. Mm-hmm. I appreciate our district leadership team recognizing that this is something that has to be a priority. I appreciate the transparency that I've uh, heard from the conversations with many of my friends who are pastoring across our district. Yeah. Uh, we have wonderful people serving wonderful congregations. And and I think that the uh, though the numbers are bleak, 80% of us are in decline, I think the next five years we are going to see a significant change of health mm. in our district. And I think that momentum will, will build momentum. Yeah. I think that it will yeah. – uh, stories of faith, stories of change, stories of transformation in our congregations yeah. will, will bolster faith in our fellowship. Yeah. And I think people are going to realize that this isn't really as hard as we thought it might be. Yeah. It's it's only a few little changes, fundamental changes, but yeah. a few of them that should be enough to catalyze new growth. And true. for that, I go, Lord, thank you for having me in this position for such a time as this in the life of our district and the life of so many of my friends who are pastoring and leading churches alongside me right now. Excellent. Excellent words, Phil. I appreciate that. And I believe that too. A little bit of momentum and we're going to see an awesome season of ministry ahead of us. And I always tell my people the best is yet to come. And I believe that for our district. And when I look across Canada um, and know the people that I do know in the PAOC, I'm filled with nothing but hope for good things. So that's awesome. Well, this is still Jesus's church. He still says that nothing will prevail against it. So though we may be directing our time and our efforts perhaps in misguided uh, ways. Right. Uh, I believe that it is always Jesus' heart for his church to realign us to the Great Commission yeah. and to continue to uh, to let that fire burn heart, uh, hot in the hearts of our pastors. Mm-hmm. When we get back to the Great Commission, when we get back to being obedient to bearing fruit, mm-hmm. I think we will see a, a great outpouring of God's blessing and mm-hmm. strength and Holy Spirit into our efforts. Amen. That's awesome. Phil, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, Phil S at bc.paoc.org okay. is my email address. Yeah. Uh, seven, seven, eight, nine, six, eight, one, one, zero, five is my cell number. Right on. And I am open and available to every phone call if I'm able to. What are your social media handles? Uh, well, I don't do Twitter, uh, okay. but I'm on Facebook and I am on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, so Phil Spolster in both of those, uh, okay. I'm reachable that way. Right on. Thanks, Phil. We appreciate your time so much. Okay. And, um, really thankful for your work and, uh, you know, just, you're just getting started, but I know you're going to produce some fruitful ministry and we're very thankful for that. Well, thanks for creating this opportunity for me to share a few thoughts, Dave. I yeah, appreciate that too. My pleasure. My pleasure. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening in. I hope you enjoyed that episode. As always, you can find more leadership resources at leadforward.ca. I hope you'll join us for the next episode.